0: If you say you follow Jesus, there are some contours to what that means. Trent Griffith explains. Listen,
1: discipleship is not about helping yourself. Discipleship is about denying yourself, denying your rights to self-gratification and self-fulfillment and self-advancement, and even self-help. So when Jesus calls me to daily self-denial, he is calling me to surrender my rights.
0: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So I've got a little quiz for you. What's the opposite of true? Well, I hope you got it right. It's untrue or false, isn't it? Here's another one. What's the opposite of real? Fake, right? How about this one? True or false? I am making a false statement. (laughs) I'm just messing with you now. But seriously though, they say that in order to get good at recognizing counterfeit money, you have to study real bills a lot. There are certain things to look for, and that's why if you've ever gone into a store and paid with a $100 bill, what's the responsible cashier going to do? Yeah, they're going to hold your bill up to the light, maybe run a special invisible ink marker on it, all to check for telltale signs that it's a real $100 bill. So the point is, they have to know what they're looking for, don't they? Did you know that there are true followers of Jesus and false followers of Jesus? In other words, some people say they're Christians, but if you could hold them up to the light of God's word you'd see that they're just pulling the wool over your eyes. Today, Pastor Trent will help us see what true discipleship is all about. He's in Luke chapter nine, continuing in the series based on a key question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? We'll review some highlights from part one of this message and then we'll finish up. Here's Pastor Trent speaking on true discipleship. Verse 18, Now, it happened that he was
1: praying alone. The disciples were with him. He asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. That's one option. The others say, Elijah. And others, that one of the prophets of old has arisen. So what the disciples say is, You know what, Jesus? You're polling really well in the crowds. They think you're a good man who speaks for God. That's what a prophet is. But that is not the right answer to the question of who Jesus is. Do you understand that in order to be a disciple, you have to be willing to hold a minority opinion in answer to this question? In our culture, the crowds will say, Jesus is a good man, maybe even a good man who spoke for God. But, you know, he's got some antiquated beliefs about sexuality and marriage. And he's got some antiquated views about, you know, this exclusive, exclusivity about who's getting into heaven. And, and, you know, whether or not there's a hell or not, that's kind of for debate. And, and so the crowds may say he's a good man. He's just not, he's not a God man. And Jesus is pressing them further. As a matter of fact, he goes on and says in the next verse, Then he said to them, but who do you... Say, I am. And Jesus is pressing them. You see, in order to be a disciple, you have to be willing to go against the crowd. Peter, the disciple, answers the question. Here's the answer to the question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, I say, you are the Christ of God. Do you know how much... Power there is packed in those four little words. Peter didn't say you're a Christ, he said you're the Christ, the exclusive representative sent from God by God as God to reconcile us to God. You say, I'm confused. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be a little confused about the Trinity. But it also means that we rest in the truth that there is a representative sent from God, by God, as God, to reconcile us to God. The Christ, the the word Christ, it's not Jesus' last name. Does everybody understand that? It's not Jesus' last name, all right? It's a title. It actually might better go in front the same way we would say president trump or president obama we would say christ jesus it's a title and what it means is messiah it means rescuer and so god has sent the rescuing christ to redeem and save sinners very specific purpose sinners from sin now peter didn't understand all the implications of what he was saying we're going to find out that in just a minute Everybody in human history has looked for a Christ, even atheists. You say, well, what do you mean? People are looking for something or someone to rescue them rescue them from their anger, their temper, their money problems, their health crisis, their relational issues in marriage. And and everybody here today is looking for a Christ. The problem is, is we look too shallow. We think our deepest problems are our money issues or our anger issues or our relational issues. And our issues are so much deeper than that. Most people never look for a Christ at the deepest level of their need. Most people never look for a Christ to save themselves from the judgment of God because they don't think that's their problem. They think their problem is their low bank account or the fact they don't have a boyfriend. Most people don't look for Christ because they never look at their sin. And Peter was identifying Jesus was the one, the only one, Sent by God to rescue them from the judgment of God. That's the confession of a true disciple. Have you, made, have you connected those dots? Have you publicly confessed, I am in need of a rescue from the judgment of God because of my sin, and I'm confessing Christ is the only one who can rescue me from my sin Hallelujah. and the judgment of God. Have you made that confession? It's a public confession. And it goes so much deeper than saying, now I can do whatever I want to. The confession of a true disciple and then the price of a true disciple. Look at verse 21. And he strictly charged and commanded them to go out and tell everyone. Is that what your Bible says? Don't let me get away with heresy up here, folks. I, did, did you read that in your Bible? Or does your Bible say something different than my Bible? Oh, he's playing a trick. He's just trying to get me to pay attention to the sermon, isn't he? Yes, he is. So what does verse, I mean, what would you expect verse 21 to say? Peter just said, you're the Christ. You'd expect Jesus to say, well, go tell everybody, would you please? That's not what he says. He says completely the opposite. He strictly charged them, verse 21, and commanded them to tell this to no one. You know why? There's nothing more dangerous than a disciple who knows Jesus in his head and it hasn't yet penetrated to his heart. That's a dangerous Christian right there. And there were things about Jesus that Peter had yet to learn. As a matter of fact, Jesus wanted him to understand, Peter, you may know who I am, but you have not yet learned what I came to do. So let me tell you what I came to do. Verse 22, saying, the son of man must suffer many things. Does that sound different than the first nine chapters of Luke? It's absolutely different. And be rejected by the elders. Wait a minute, I thought he just had a crowd of 20,000 people when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children. And scribes, and he must be killed. Killed, what? You've got all this power over demons and authority, over winds and waves. You rescue us from being killed when, when we were in the, the Sea of Galilee and storm. What do you mean you got to be killed? And on the third day, be raised. You understand? Peter did not yet have an accurate view of the price that Jesus would pay to make someone a true disciple. It was going to cost him suffering and rejection and death on a cross. And so he says, Peter, before you go tell everybody this, you need to have an understanding that we aren't getting this mission done without the cross. It's the price tag for sin. And if you're gonna follow me as a disciple, you need to understand. You've been following me to this point for two and a half years. The events that occur up to this point in chapter nine in Luke took two and a half years. From this point on, the next six months will be a journey to the cross. This statement by Jesus, this conversation that he was having with the disciples, it took place in the farthest northern region in Israel in a place called Caesarea Philippi. You can still go there today. It's a beautiful place. But every step Jesus took from that point forward led him to Jerusalem, to suffering, to rejection, to the cross to the tomb before he was raised. Now, do you still want to follow me? Because it's not going to be an easy journey. Up until this point, you thought I came to make your life easier. I mean, I could feed 5,000. I could peel people from, the, from, from diseases. I could cast out demons. I made, I made your life pretty easy, didn't I? Well, it's going to get harder now because the price of a true disciple is death On a cross. And Jesus was demonstrating his willingness to come and not conquer, but to suffer, not kill his enemies, but die for his enemies, not to be applauded, but to be rejected, not to be raised in popularity, but be raised from the dead. And Jesus is saying, don't be surprised, fellas. We're going to the cross. It has a design. It has a purpose. It's, it's, not a, it's not a surprise. It's exactly the reason I came, and you guys need to be ready for it. That's what he's saying, is the price of becoming a true disciple was paid by Jesus on a cross as he atoned for our sin. And so the crowds are going to decrease. His popularity is going to diminish Life is going to get harder and the cost will be greater for becoming a true disciple. And yet, it's the very worth and value that Jesus places on people like you and me that gives us the motivation to continue to follow him. He did all of that for me. He He bled out for me. Well, Yeah, Jesus, what do you you want from me? You're going to die for me? A true disciple says, I will live for you. That's the definition of a true disciple. Here's the last thing. The proof of a true disciple. Notice verse 23. And he said to all. You see the word all in verse 23? Please underline that. If anyone. Do you see the word anyone in verse 23? Please underline that. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. All true disciples are characterized by denying themselves, taking up their cross daily, and following Jesus. If you are not denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus, you are not a disciple. You say, well, wait, 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 come on. I mean, like, disciples are like these really sold out radical Christians. I'm just an everyday, ordinary, remedial Christian, and I got issues. There are not two kinds of Christians. There are disciples and there are people who are not. And if you are going to be a follower of Jesus, the characteristics of your life will be daily denying yourself, daily taking up your cross and following Jesus. Notice verse 24 for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? There's interesting paradoxes in Jesus pressing this further into Peter. Remember, he's talking to people that he's about to invite to come and suffer with him. And he's He's making them count the cost. What's the proof of a true disciple? He tells us, it all has to do what you do with your life. Now, I want you to look. Do you see in verse 24 the word life? Whoever would lose his life, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The word life there, what does that mean? In order to be a disciple, I have to... I have to die? I lose my life? When, how do I save my life if I lose it? What is he talking about? The key is in understanding the Greek word behind the word life there. There's two Greek words for life. One is bios. You get the word biology from it, right? It means life. It means physical life. Another word is psyche. We get our word psychology from it. It means soul or self. Guess which word he uses here? Not bios, not physical life. He's talking about your true self, your inner self. What is he saying? In order to be his disciple, you you can't be committed to saving yourself, protecting yourself. You have to be willing to forfeit yourself, to lose yourself, to surrender yourself to Jesus. And if all you are intent upon is guarding your rights and guarding yourself, then Jesus is saying, you're gonna lose yourself, and you're gonna lose eternal life. And so the test of true discipleship is what you do with your true self. And what Jesus is saying is, he demands my daily self-denial. You know, the default condition of the human heart is self-gratification. What I eat, what I feel, I just just want as much as I can get. The default setting of my life is self-fulfillment, self-advancement, self-esteem. That's why you can go to Barnes & Noble and there's a whole rack of self-help books. Even in the church, we can confuse discipleship with self-improvement. There's a class on how to manage your money. Oh, oh! If I, if, I, if I learn to manage my money, it will help myself. Oh, here's a class on marriage and parenting. Well, if we could have a little peace and calm around here, it would help myself. Listen, discipleship is not about helping yourself. Discipleship is about denying yourself. Denying your rights to self-gratification and self-fulfillment and self-advancement and even self-help. So when Jesus calls me to daily self-denial, he is calling me to surrender my rights. And then Jesus demands my daily dying to self. It's the term that he used, take up your cross daily. Now remember, this is six months before Jesus would take up his cross. He's calling his disciples to take up their cross. They would be very familiar with Roman crucifixion, where they would hang a guilty criminal on a cross, nails through the hands, nails through the feet, until he would suffocate himself because he couldn't pull himself up any longer to breathe. And Jesus says, want to be my disciple? Crucify yourself. Not once. Daily. Still want to be my disciple? You still think you know who Jesus is? Are you willing to be crucified daily to endure torture and pain and mistreatment and opposition and rejection in order to follow Jesus? Jesus? What is he saying? He's saying that all of us have these appetites that in ourselves that are unhealthy to us spiritually. And because Jesus wants us to have eternal life and spiritual life, we have to deny immediate gratification for delayed glorification. That's what he wants for you. That's what he's offering to you. But it only comes to those who are willing to die to self, Interestingly here, who is he telling to deny self? Think about it. Just on an individual basis. He's telling myself to deny myself. He's telling my living self to die to myself. He Apparently, there's two selves. There's one that dies and one that crucifies. And once I crucify the old self, now there's a new self. There's a new life that follows Jesus in abandon. It's not just becoming a corpse. It's becoming fully alive with the life of Christ to follow him, to pursue him, to love him, to worship him, to serve him. And so Jesus demands my daily dying to self. But listen, it doesn't stop there. Jesus determines my daily direction. It's not some passive death It is an abundant, energetic, intentional life to move in the direction Jesus is moving. It's to go where Jesus is going. It's to think like Jesus is thinking. It's to be on mission with him. And so how do you do this? Notice the word daily. We do this every day. We get up every day. We say, Jesus, here for service. I just want you to know before I get myself into all kinds of trouble, I die to myself, my ambitions, my agenda. It is on the altar. It's on the cross. It's crucified. And so where do you want to go today? I will follow you. I've got a tendency to follow other things and other people and other voices. I'm dead to those voices. I'm here to follow you. And we do that daily. By the way, where would you hear Jesus' voice telling you where he's going today? Right here. That's why the first thing you should do every morning before you check your Facebook and your Twitter account and your Instagram feed is to get your face in the book so you can know where Jesus is going, not where all your friends went last night. What do they call those people on uh, Instagram? Oh, followers. Hmm. Hmm. Understand this, discipleship begins at the point we surrender to fully and finally follow Jesus. This has to happen for every true disciple. There is a point in your life that you make the decision once for all who you're following. And you say, "I'm going with Jesus. I don't care where the crowd goes. I don't care what the crowd thinks of me. I'm not going to live in the fear of man. I'm going to live in the fear of God." There's a point at which this happens. For some of you, it happened when you were seven years old in Vacation Bible School. Praise God. For some of you, it happened at a youth camp. Praise God. Some of you, it happened in college. For some of you, it's going to happen this morning. Praise God. It needs to happen for you. Some of you this morning. But there is a point at which you decide who you're following, and you become a true disciple of Jesus. Discipleship begins at a point we surrender. To fully and finally follow Jesus. But listen, it doesn't stop there. Discipleship is not just a point, it is a journey that continues with daily decisions to follow Jesus into new areas of surrender. You may wake up one morning and Jesus put his finger on an area of your life, he wants you to surrender today. If you say no to that, that's the moment at which your discipleship stops. And you can't go any further with Jesus. And so every day is a daily decision to take up my cross, deny myself, and follow Jesus. There's one more verse here. Look at verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, notice not just Jesus, but His authoritative teaching on every subject. Are you ashamed of anything Jesus taught? Do you know the reason why people don't follow Jesus? It's not out of fear. It's out of shame. They're ashamed of the teaching of Jesus. They're ashamed of the words of Jesus. They're ashamed of the life of Jesus, which served and humbled himself and bled out on a cross in apparent defeat. Who wants to be associated with that? But notice, he says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. He lets them have a preview of what's coming. There's glory coming, but it's on the other side of the cross. There, no cross, no glory. And the first time Jesus came, It was a a life that led to the cross. The second time he comes, it's a life that leads to glory. And you're not getting the glory if you don't go to the cross. As Jesus hung there on that cross, if you were to ask him, Jesus, why are you dying for me? He would answer you and say, because I am not ashamed of you. No matter how ashamed you are of yourself, you've never done anything that shames Jesus. He is willing to die for you because he is not ashamed of you. If you ask a true disciple, why are you living for Jesus? The answer would be, because I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Do you boldly, publicly confess him? Do you live for Him, knowing that He died for you? Or do you have a cavalier attitude that says, I can do whatever I want to because Jesus died for me and He makes no demands and no claims on my life. That is not a true disciple.
0: Well, those are some soul-searching questions from Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church. according to the standards set forth in the Bible, you'll see you do fall short of what God requires. But a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus, is someone who recognizes how dependent he or she is on him. A true follower of Jesus, they've abandoned it all. They die to themselves daily just to follow Jesus. Well, if you're interested in finding out more about following Jesus, you can contact us by sending an email to info at mygospelcity.org. Again, that's info at mygospelcity.org. Or click on contact us on our website, mygospelcity.org. Well, we're open again for public in-person gatherings now and you're invited to come. In fact, we broke in our brand new worship center just last week. So come worship with us at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sunday. Of course, if you need to stay home, you can always live stream our service. There are details about our in-person or online gatherings at mygospelcity.org slash together. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, have you ever thought you knew a friend until they really opened up and reveal more about themselves than you ever knew before? Well, that's kind of like what happened to some of Jesus' disciples. Next week, Pastor Trent helps us look more carefully at what theologians call the transfiguration of Jesus. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that Jesus' call to true discipleship would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Find us online at mygospelcity.org.